0: Just had something on my heart that I wanted to share. Uh, Jared and I were going hunting Monday, and we were talking about going one place or another. And as luck would have it, we decided on place A, we'll say. And uh, you know, I just I just happened to have a trailer behind me, so I was driving a little more cautious than normal. And uh, anyways, we were coming up over a bridge, and uh, an eighteen wheeler slammed on the brakes bumped into a car, bumped into another car, then that car comes, hits an oncoming car, and and I could tell uh, right away it was a bad injury. And so uh, uh, I went over there, and there was a man paralyzed and uh, kept an eye on him until... The ambulance arrived and uh, kind of slowed our hunting down, and we we went to the place and went for a while. Anyways, by the time it was a couple hours in, we just decided we wanted to go home. And, uh, excuse me anyways told the family about what happened and then uh, you know later in the week the, the kids were complaining about something and I brought up that man that can no longer hug his kid and uh, our, our outlook was changed immediately And then I thought, I thought, you know, why did God choose to let me stop fast enough? I mean, I wasn't in the wreck, and I was right—you know—just happened to be just far enough away. And uh, and then I thought about it all week. You know, we've not had one member uh, die of COVID in our congregation. Why has God shown us so much faith? Uh, There's things that we all need to improve on, and he's given us another day. And uh, I, I... no intention of doing this but I couldn't help it I needed to say it but I want us to count our blessings Uh, I want anybody that's here struggling to do what you can to get it right because you don't have another day necessarily if there's somebody you need to make up with Will do it. Let's be different than the world. Uh, I'm just I'm filled with sorrow and thankfulness, just, just in an indescribable amount. And uh, anyhow, I made some notes. Sorry about the emotional response, but, man, aren't we lucky as a congregation. uh, Let's share it with others uh, because those others may not have any more time. We may not have any more time. There's been so much in the last couple of years that I've uh, fretted and worried about, but God has taken care of me and my family and, and really our whole church. And uh, as, as I thought about what happened, I just, uh, I became more aware and amazed at how protected we've been, and, uh, and I'm thankful for that, and uh, just like Jared said, we've got a good thing going, let's do what we can to fill this new building and, and share it with others. And I know that everybody here has that on their heart, and uh, I'm thankful for you guys and needed y'all to know it just in case tomorrow's my day to have the wreck. So anyhow, sorry to slow getting the lunch down. Maybe Jerry (laughs) can pick it up a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, I want to say a prayer for that gentleman that that, uh, had the accident. Lord, we just pray a special prayer for the gentleman involved in the wreck this week. And uh, just pray for him and the suffering that he's going through. We don't know why you've chosen to show your favor to us, but we thank you and are uh, amazed to stand in your presence. And uh, please be with our leadership in our church. Help us as members to do better every day than the day before. And to spread you. And it's in your Son's name we pray. Yeah.
1: Amen. Will you stand for the reading of God's Word? This morning we're looking at Colossians chapter one, verses fifteen through twenty. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: This opportunity to sit before your word again to be reminded of our Savior and Lord. May we treasure him. Glory in him may we all like think like John the Baptist that he must become greater and we must become less I pray that would happen in our hearts and minds as we try to live in a way that would honor and glorify you in Christ's name. Amen. So you're in Colossians, and the introductions here kind of have come to, I mean, I think we're still in a time of thanksgiving, but the introductions have kind of come to a conclusion, and uh, Paul has prayed, and now he's going to move in uh, to some things that that are really helpful for us. Just as a reminder, uh, he says, uh, his prayer of thanksgiving was, uh, he was thanking God for their faith, love, and hope. And those things are really, man, those are important uh, to remind us of. Those are Christian virtues uh, that, that we have and that show up in our lives uh, if we are in Christ. And I, I think that's important to be able to look and see those. And then he interceded for the church, and he really prays for their spiritual maturity. He wants them to grow up into the fullness of Christ. And that's a big deal for us. Sometimes uh, when you try to think about prayer, um, we and we're praying for people uh, in our church or in our lives or in our families or whatever, uh, these model prayers are so helpful because Paul really does model for us what it means to pray for someone in the highest possible way, for, for the best things for them. And so he prays uh, that they would grow up into this the fullness of maturity. So he he prays for them, to kind of grasp with this knowledge and then walk in the power uh, that they have. And so I think that's extremely important for us to just understand. This week, you might think that he would start by saying, okay, now I want to ad- address the issues, like why I'm writing this. I want to address those with you. Uh, and maybe he, you might think, well, he's going to call out the particular things that they are uh, doing wrong, or the particular thoughts that are drawing them away from the Lord, but that's not where He starts. And I think it's important to note this because, for me, and, and this is uh, you know something I kind of had to grow to understand, uh, you can't study all false teaching. You can't study all the different types of false teaching out there. Uh, there there's always going to be people that are going to want to add Christ. They want to add plus something kind of things. That's just going to happen. You can't keep up with all of them. You could study about it and learn all about it and and, and study every kind of false religion or false idea, and you could travel the nations, and you could see where the gospel kind of came into a nation, and then uh, some of the thinking of that culture kind of infiltrated it. You could go through a long list of things. But what Paul does is he starts by helping you Look at Jesus Christ. So that's what this morning is. It is it is looking at Christ and answering the question, is he everything that we need? And, and that's that's kind of where we are this morning. We are addressing that reality. I do remember, I don't know, I probably read it in a commentary or heard it in a sermon or something. But uh, one time I, I heard someone saying, like when they were training bank, bank tellers back in the day, Uh, they would have them look at the actual uh, dollar bill or $100 bill, and they would just study that so and and touch it and feel it and look at it, and they would identify things about it. And the reason they did that was because, like, every counterfeiter had its own counterfeit kind of thing. I mean, there uh, there could be hundreds of them that would come through. But if they really knew the real thing, then the counterfeit would become like, oh, something's wrong about that. You know, And so in the same way, if you really understand Jesus, then immediately you could say something's wrong about that. Something's wrong about that. And so that's what we do. We, Paul's doing that. That's the model that we follow. That's what we're seeking to do this morning. Another example is I have a friend in the, uh, that was in the military. He still is, but it, it's not like it's a full-time thing. But he, he said in the military, they're always saying this is what right looks like. This is what right looks like. Uh, and so that's kind of what Paul does here. He says, this is what you need to understand about Jesus. This is what right looks like. So if anything else comes up, you can be like, the, whatever that is, it just, it smells funny. It, it's not right. It doesn't look right. It doesn't sound right. And so uh, the, when you're young, when you're really young in the faith, um, you, you have, uh, uh, there's a temptation to think that everything that claims Christianity is Christianity. And I, I had a friend not too long ago who was in jail, and the only thing in the jail was a bunch of, like, prosperity gospel craziness. And so he's reading this devotion. He says, it doesn't sound right. And I was like, it's not right. It's not right. And so it's uh, one of those things where I had to kind of, like, come back and say to him, uh, I want to show you what right looks like so that he would know and I think that's important for us as we uh, move forward and just know that when you're when you're trying to understand and learn and grow that's something that's very important now Ephesians 4 says this that God does give teachers to the church to equip the saints until they attain all like knowledge all of the knowledge of the son of God so so they're trying to understand him you never get away from that grasp the fullness of him to mature to manhood to the measure of stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine. What's he saying? I'm trying, we're trying to build up the saints in knowing Jesus so that when the winds of doctrine come, they're not moved or shaken, they're anchored. And so that's what we try to do here. Uh, we, we have tried to do that over and over. And that's what this morning I think the Apostle Paul is modeling for us. So I just, I want you to see that and understand that and, and, and grasp that. And so Paul's going to start not by unpacking the false teaching, but by unpacking Jesus. And I think that's important. We need to do that. We never need to move away from that. We need to see his supremacy, his lordship, and see how that it makes him sufficient, a sufficient Savior. So one person you know, would have titled this Christ, Supreme Lord, and Sufficient Savior this morning. It's like a confessional statement. He is the Supreme Lord and our Sufficient Savior. And there are really like different clues to see that. I'm just going to give you some things. And we'll, this is the first one. The connection between the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ is central uh, to what we're studying. Now here's the thing. If you read, a lot of times you'll read in passages, Second Peter is one example. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Because he is Lord, he can be our Savior. It, it, those two go together. He is both Supreme Lord and our sufficient Savior. And so the letter is saying like he is sufficient and adequate for everything you need spiritually everything and so as a result of that you can trust that he is uh, he's adequate to do it and his power is on display through through creation and redemption you can trust that he is all that you need to grow into maturity and so i just think it's important to help you see and understand what's happening is that they're den- denying the sufficiency of christ for all of their spiritual needs or struggling with that the reality is he is the only one really that can grant you everything you need for a life of godliness. He is the only one that can do it. You can't like rescue yourself, save yourself, change yourself, restore yourself. He alone has come to save us from ourselves, from sin, from death, from hell, all of those things. So listen to this, just in that kind of first clue between understanding supremacy and sufficiency... This guy, one guy says, if Christ is the supreme Lord of all, on whom all other heavenly powers depend, then he cannot require assistance or from any of these dependent authorities in order to bring people to God and God to people. He is a sufficient Savior because he is supreme Lord. It's because of who he is that he can, like, rescue us. And I think that's, that's so important. We need to understand that. And not only that, this is something else, you know, that he noted. If Christ is the power which sustains the whole universe, stop and think about that. If he is the power that sustains the whole universe, if Christ is the power that sustains the whole universe from remote beginnings to its final goal, it is reasonable, is it reasonable to doubt his power to sustain the individual believer from conversion to to glory if he is lord of the universe it is reasonable for you to say that he can take you from conversion to glory you don't need christ plus anything you need christ that, that's that's kind of Paul, that's paul's point he he is the one he is the one that we because he is the supreme ruler of both the the, the first creation and the new creation He is everything you need. So then the second kind of clue you might say is a a connection between him as creator and redeemer. Because some people would say something, uh, maybe just they would almost kind of think like, well, Jesus will take care of my spiritual life, not my physical life. There's things, there's more that I need in one sense. Like I'm always looking for something to really kind of beef up one aspect of, of my life. Well, the reality is, in, in this passage, as you look at it, Jesus is presented as the creator and the redeemer. So he is both the Lord over the material and the spiritual realms of our life. We need him as the source for our physical life and our spiritual life. A lot of people will talk about secular and sacred kind of divides, and they'll see kind of, this is Sunday, this is like Monday through Saturday. That's just kind of the way people might think. But there's a strong connection here between him as creator and redeemer. And some of us, if we're not careful, will make more, from a spiritual standpoint, of prayer, Bible reading, and going to church, and not see spiritual activities as work, raising children, and being a good citizen. They're all spiritual activities. They're all under the lordship of Christ. He created this world. He sustains it. You live in it. Cultivate it. It's all all his. And he he is also interested in your your journey spiritually where you're growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But both of those things have to be held together. So he is supreme and sufficient. Right? Right? that's you need to know that he is creator and redeemer and then the third thing is and this is again I think it's just it's helpful the way that this was framed I I can't I'm trying to think of the guy's name but uh, Lucas kind of framed this this but he says the third clue is Christ before time on earth and over all which is where we're going to kind of unpack the text but those other two are in the text. I mean, you just got to read the text and think about what's in this text. What is it showing us? But So, so let's just kind of look at that and think about that just for a moment. Christ before time on earth and over all. If you can get that in your head, because you're trying to understand Jesus. You want to understand him. You want to glory in him. You want to see him. This is a confessional statement that you reiterate and, and go over and over and over in your mind. Uh, I think sometimes if you just said, man, I am really struggling with some of the things on earth, right? In the earthly realm and, 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 and all of these things, right? I'm going back to Jesus as the creator of these things. And then when I maybe i am struggling with uh, something with regard to my spiritual life, I'm going back to him as the redeemer of my life. And so I think you just are constantly reiterating to yourself, Jesus is sufficient because he is Lord. He is sufficient to do all that God intended uh, for, to be done for us and in us and through us. So let's look at that real quick, that third clue. And I want you to look in verses 15 through 17 because you're going to see Christ kind of in, in creation. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. How many times is all mentioned? Can you go back and look at that? It it, it doesn't really matter. If you can count, you can go back and look at that. You'll notice one, two, I see three, four, five. It looks like to me like. Why? Why is that there? I mean, what is he saying? He's, he's saying that the whole created order owes its existence to Christ. He is sustaining it all. It is his. He made it. He's Lord over it. And without him, there is nothing, and really nothing has any meaning. He, he is, it's all his. He's over all of it. So in creation, you could say Christ is supreme. He reigns over all. That means everything submits to him. He he is Lord over all of it. And I think it's important just to say, if there are some power out there that promises something to you more than Jesus would, or if there's some power out there that, that frightens you more than Jesus would, you don't see rightly. I mean, he, he is Lord over it all, and He is supreme over it all. And we are to submit to His Lordship, but understand that He is not just our Lord, but He's the one who saved us. And so I think it's important to see. And then you say, you might say, in creation, as you're looking at this, you're looking at Christ in creation, you're saying, He is sufficient. He is sufficient to help us. He knows every aspect of this world. He knows every part of it. He knows everything in it. He knows every detail of every single thing. He spoke everything into existence. All of this is his. It is his design. And he's there's nothing here that he does not know about. If he holds the sufficient power to sustain the whole universe, will he not sustain us? As his church. Uh, That's because that's the struggle. People are coming in and saying like. Y'all need Christ plus something. You need a little bit more than Jesus. Tell me something more than that old gospel message. You need more than that. And they're whispering that into their ears. And people are all the time you'll meet them. And they're thinking about all these different ways. To try to get to a place where they have a sufficient savior. But Jesus is not that. You know, and so this passage is saying, no, no, he is. He is totally sufficient. He holds it all together. He is the image of the invisible God. This is speaking of the incarnation. Again, you're just seeing that God dwelling among us. He demonstrated that by his words and works. He had the power over disease, disorder, death. All of those things. What Jacob was just saying is God has sustained us. Our Lord has sustained us. If he doesn't sustain us, no one can sustain us. We hope in him. We stand on that reality. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the eternal God incarnate. Second, he's the firstborn of all creation. What does that mean? He is the heir. It's not that he was created. Over and over, you'll, you'll read in the, the, you know, begotten, not made. He's not created. He is the creator. But firstborn has the idea of heir. Hebrews 1, 2 says, In the last days he's spoken by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created world it's the idea of air he holds the place of highest authority i think it's just we need to see that one day the air of all things will return and visibly display before the watching world that he is lord of all so the church might think, man, we're, we feel weak right now. The church in Colossae, they may have been struggling with all kinds of things. And somebody's coming in and saying, you need more than Jesus. You need more than him. Uh, we've got these things. If you'll do this and you'll do that and you'll do this next thing and you'll do you'll you'll like celebrate these days, these festival days. And, and you'll, if you'll do all this stuff, then you'll have the fullness that you need. And, and Paul's saying, like, there is no greater fullness there is no greater fullness. Christ is supreme Lord. He is the sufficient Savior. And then if you look at verse 18, when you're thinking about him who is over all, uh, Colossians uh, says in verse 118, speaking of Christ in the church, he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So, so here's the thing. He is the Lord of the first creation. He is the Lord of the second creation. That's a way to see that. Uh, The reason why you need to understand that is the church, when he says he's the firstborn from the dead, when Christ was resurrected, he he returns to his people and says like, I'm giving you this resurrection life. I'm giving you, the spirit is going to come bring life to you. I'm going to cause you to be born again. I'm going to cause you to be born from above. I'm going to create something new. 2 Corinthians 5 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. So you're saying, like, this Christ who is before time on earth and over all, this one who is Lord of creation is also Lord of the new creation, he is Lord of the church. And what he has started with the church, he's going to bring to fruition to where they, the church will then enter in eternally into a place that is new. The new heavens and the new earth and all of those things. And so what he accomplished is not only did he create the world, he also redeemed the world. So he's just today's really, in a way, it's heady in the sense that he is bringing you to Jesus and saying, Wrap your minds around this. He is Supreme Lord. He is a sufficient Savior. He is head of the church, the new creation, this new humanity, these people that have been transformed by the supernatural work of God in Christ. You guys understand this. He is the source of your power. He is the source of your strength. He is the one who is guiding you and directing you. He is the head of the body, the church. He is your creator, sustainer, and redeemer. But you continue on. And when we're thinking about Christ, we're saying he is God with us. Like being in Christ is to be united to him. Verse 19 says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is temple imagery. God came to visit us. That, that's the picture. He came to visit us. What was lost in the garden is now regained. He came to visit us. It, it was the Father's pleasure for Christ to be with us. He comes to dwell or tabernacle among us, John 1.14 says. One author noted, for Paul, there was nothing whatever of the Godhead that was not in Christ. The full complement of divine attributes is to be found in him. He is the fullness of deity and bodily form. I mean, this is today a celebration of Christ. Anything that moves you away from that is a problem. Now, we've looked at it. We say, hey, we see Christ in creation, Christ in the church. God, the, God with us in Christ, and then God for us in Christ. Look at verse twenty, and I, I think that's a that's a really powerful thing. And through Him, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. What to be reconciled? I don't know if y'all have ever been like separated from someone, uh, maybe by space, maybe by a uh, relationship like kind of is hurt in some way someone's angry or bitter with another there's not been forgiveness maybe forgiveness has not been asked for maybe forgiveness hasn't been granted whatever where you say like we are separated we are separated from one another the idea here is we were separated from God and Christ has come to reconcile us to God we are reconciled to himself Now, here's the thing, and through him to reconcile to himself all things. So the idea is not just does he reconcile people, the whole universe has been messed up. And you see it, I see it, by the fall. And he has come to reconcile all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So we just start there and just say, I think it's important to say First, in this, you see the reconcil- like reconciliation in general is something God does. We, we don't reconcile ourselves to God. God reconciles us to himself. That's a big deal. You need to know that. And we need to understand that. God pursues us. Uh, the religions of the world that are created by man is man on his quest to find God. Christianity is God on his quest to find man. He has a perfect plan to restore, to make things new. And that's what he did. Jesus is the great reconciler. If you want intimacy with God, you come through him. There is no other way. There, is no, there are no acts that you can do. No hours spent uh, out trying to follow some bunch of religious rules. that will, You will not find the way to God through man or man's inventions. You can pull all that away. You will not. You cannot go out west somewhere in, in, in New Mexico and spend a month out there like in some place to like on your quest to discover God. There is no way other than through his son. Even in the spiritual uh, Christian life, if you're trying to somehow gain access to God apart from his son or make more of like your ability to get to him, you will not find it. So it is a work of God and um, this reconciling work has been accomplished. When Jesus said it is finished, it was finished. It's not like something more needs to be done. At the cross, the father was satisfied with the son's sacrifice. That's just important to know. It was done. When Jesus said it was finished, it was finished. The father's Wrath was satisfied. And the way you knew that is by the father raising the son. That's what Romans 4 says. He was, we, we we understand because he raised him from the dead, so we can know that he was pleased with what the son did. So, lots of things going on here, but just, and you remind yourself of that. And then you could say that reconciliation was achieved there. He defeated all of our enemies there that's what Colossians two fifteen will say and Romans eight thirty eight and 39 says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ because he defeated all of the powers all of our enemies he achieved once and for all our place with God and so I think it's important that you see that and then the last thing you could say here is when you see this all things all things means that It's not just that Jesus came to save you from your sins and individually, that's all that he did is just to save individuals. He came to rescue the whole of the earth. There's this starting of like making us new, but one day he is going to make all things new. All things. So you look at this passage today and you say, why did Paul do this? There's this young group of Christians in a little church in Colossae, there are false teachers coming in behind him that are adding to, wanting to add a bunch of stuff, which we'll see as we go along, to the gospel. And Paul's saying, listen, you don't need to add anything. You have a supreme and a sufficient Savior. He is supreme Lord, he's sufficient Savior. You have that. That's what he says. And so when we get here at this point, we're saying like, this is all that we need. We can't ever leave it. This church can't ever leave that. I, I you know I could we could come up here and talk about all the things that you could do to make your life better, all the things for your marriage, all the things for parenting, all the things for um, you to have like a, a good financial position going into retirement. We could list out all these things. We could even say, hey, you want to be really spiritually minded we could have like all these hoops that you have to jump through we could take you out into places and say look we need to like you know you don't need to sleep tonight because we're going to go into this world and come up with all kinds of crazy stuff it, all of this stuff is out there you can read about everything uh, under the sun you can google it but paul says now, what you really need is what you first received and that is the message of the Lord Jesus Christ who is lord of creation and he is lord of redemption he is lord that he, he is the lord who has come to save you to reconcile you to god he is all that you need he is more than you can ever comprehend so you humble yourself you delight in him you rejoice in him today you hope in him you treasure him you spend the rest of your life saying May I, Lord, let me drink deeper and deeper from the well of the greatness and the glory and the grandeur of the one who came to save me from my sins. And then let it impact every aspect of my life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask for your, your help for us to see, for us to treasure, for us to see the supreme and sufficient Savior our creator and redeemer, the one who was before time, the one who came to this earth, and the one who is Lord forevermore. May our lives be bound up in him. May that be the greatest delight to treasure him, to make much of him, to let the nations know about him, to tell our children about him, to tell those who are around us about him. Let that drive us. He is the most filling. Filling thing that we could ever experience. May we do that in Christ's name. Amen.